Hi, welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. My name is Tiet Helimetz, and I am a principal dancer at San Francisco Ballet. This podcast series of Meet the Artist interviews is your chance to get to know us, the dancers, musicians, designers, and choreographers at SF Ballet, as we discuss our lives, the process in a studio, performances on stage, and more. Join us for Meet the Artist interviews, live and in person, at the Opera House before Friday and Sunday performances. Or tune in, all season long to hear podcast recordings of San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interviews. Enjoy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview. My name is Claire Sheridan, and it's lovely to see you all here at the Opera House. I'm your host for this event today, so without further ado, please join me now in welcoming our guest, Ricardo Bustamante. Good afternoon. Ricardo was born in Colombia. He danced with San Francisco Ballet, and then, in 1985, he was invited by Mikhail Baryshnikov to join the American Ballet Theater, where he became a principal dancer. Ricardo was a frequent international guest artist, and he served as artistic director, choreographer for Argentina's Ballet, ballet Teatro Colón and the Ballet de Santiago in Chile. In 2004, Ricardo returned to San Francisco Ballet, yay for us. He has worked as an assistant to former artistic director Helge Thomason, and currently he serves as rehearsal director and a principal character dancer for the company. And today, you'll see him perform the role of Friar Lawrence, right here on this stage. So uh, thanks for doing double duty today, uh, Ricardo. My pleasure. And I can't think of anyone who knows the ballet Romeo and Juliet better than you. Uh, but let's start with this question. Uh, what have been your responsibilities in bringing the production that we're going to see this afternoon to the stage? Good afternoon. So um, in restaging Helgi's Romeo and Juliet, I was responsible for uh, two and a half casts of uh, or three Juliets and two Romeos. Uh, one of those Juliets is sharing a Romeo, so that's why I say two and a half cast. Mm -hmm. um, I, it, through the years, I've been responsible for Mercutio, Bimbolio, and Romeo, redundant. Um, and then uh, a lot of the scenes to put in together uh, throughout the ballet is a, a teamwork. Um, of course, uh, as the years go by, uh, we actually have the most incredible um, assistance of other rehearsal directors, previous Juliet, Tina LeBlanc and Joanna Berman. Um, but you performed the role of Romeo for American Ballet Theater, and as a guest artist uh, around the world, for example, you performed Romeo at La Scala in Milan. You're coaching multiple Romeos, so you're the man. Can you tell us about the character of Romeo? Well, Romeo and Romeo and Juliet um, is the story of brave love. Um, is the most sought after role, I think, by any dancer. I don't think there is any, any male dancer or female dancer. You say you want to be Juliet, you want to be Romeo. I think we all want to be that person. Uh, one, because uh, the, the casual way that nor who you're supposed to be, you're not playing an imperial character, you're playing a human being, a, a person with, with tremendous uh, courage and to go through a love story. Um, and so it's 
a terrific opportunity to express yourself. And one of those ballads that it allows you not to think of technique, of about your feelings and the plot and to test yourself as an actor, not trying to pretend somebody else, but just a, a person. So in coaching Romeo or Juliet, um, the most wonderful thing is getting to know who you're working with and what their attributes as a person they are and try to bring it out and uh, bring that beauty to have that kind of rapport with your partner. And. Uh how do you see the character of Juliet? She, she really is the instigator here. She really moves things forward. You're speaking, she's quite a brave lady. Yeah, well, um, Juliet, to me, I mean, you know, uh, she could be a heroine, she, she could be such a, she's such a strong woman. Um, Romeo is much more of the poet and the lover, but she takes charge. I'm very impressed in after the, the balcony part of the, or, the, or the balcony scene. Um, he says to her on the last kiss, uh, you leave me unsatisfied. And she turns around, you know, and raises her eyebrow and I say, what do you mean? What is one? What do you wish? Why, you know, why unsatisfied? And he asks for to bow to be his girlfriend and for the love to be, you know, forever. And she is the one who turns around then, meet me at the chapel, have it arranged with uh, Fred Lawrence and let's seal the deal. And she proposes marriage. <laughs> She's 14. <laughs> um, for you as a dancer and a director, I bet this ballet holds a lot of outstanding memories for you. I mean, you've, you've been all over the world doing this. Are there some memories that just stay with you that you can share with us right now? I have hundreds. Um, my uh, uh, aspiration as a dancer was always to be a natural dancer. Um, I was trained in a school where there were mostly girls and where there was no other Colombian boy who I look up up to, except my teachers, Yanis Piqueris, who danced for the Surga Ballet, and um, then went to Venezuela to dance. So he was my only like um, male figure that I could follow. But he was much more of a Mercutio. Um, I didn't have it in me to be that type of spicy character, energetic and kind of leader of the pack. I've always been the helpless romantic. Um, and, um, <clears throat> I love uh, partnering, and I love um, understanding myself with a, with a partner. <clears throat> we should have brought some water. <laughs> um, uh, fall in love um, every time I partnered. And uh, it was Sir Kenneth Macmillan who I had just joined American Ballet Theater, and it took him, you know, a couple of days watching me, and then he said, I want you to do it, though. So here are the steps. And Georgina Parkinson, who has been a very famous um, English ballerina, and who was the Lady Capulet, and who was in charge of staging the Romeo and Juliet for American Ballet Theater, uh, taught me the whole thing. And for some reason, we, you know, I learned the whole thing in two days. And Kenneth just stood there watching me take it in. And then as I was learning, immediately he would say, this is the mood, and this is what I want you to do. And so the poetic 
theatricality in which it was delivered, <clears throat> it never left me. Um, you didn't have to explain spatially, you have to be here, quarter mark, so the light hits you, and then when so-and-so happens, he, he was very involved in the plot, and, but then he said, you are Romeo, you're lost in your own world, and all you can think about is Juliet. So, um, while he stayed in the studio, and once, uh, my first Juliet was Leslie Brown, who I had a love affair with, and who I love very, very much. You folks know Leslie Brown? She was uh, in The Turning Point. And a principal dancer from American Ballet Theatre. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> so, thank you, Celia. Thank you, Celia. So, I had an incredible relationship with an incredible partner who has been dancing with Robert LaFosse and Bershnikov himself, and so I was surrounded by great star, America, stars of American Ballet Theater who were performing every single night, and I could just see how to bring this character to life. And having Kenneth in, in every rehearsal to say, don't try to copy anybody else. You have nothing to think of what you're saying and what you're feeling. And that was really powerful. So um, I carry on this through my performances, and I then, uh, in that same week, I danced with Leslie Brown, and then Alessandra Ferry, and then uh, Sylvie Guillaume came into ABT, and so I danced with her, and, um, and Susan Jaffe, and so there were all these wonderful, very experienced ballerinas that had worked with Sir Kenneth. They were the creme de la creme of Sir mm -hmm. Kenneth era. Uh, being my Juliet, and with every touch of the hands, with every kiss, with every interpretation, the energy, the way one ran, the way the, way the other looked at me, you know, you, you felt like you were reliving the story and being a different type of Romeo every single time. Wow. <laughs> well, folks, if you're just joining us, my name is Claire Sheridan, and I'm speaking with uh, San Francisco Ballet rehearsal director and principal character dancer Ricardo Bustamante. And in a short while, we'll be able to take some questions from the audience, so you can be thinking about those. Now, in, in, you mentioned performing the Macmillan version of Romeo and Juliet, and you know the Cranko version, too. What makes Helgi's version special? How does it reflect his values and, um, and, and his personality or his wishes? Well, I admire Helgi with this version because I feel like he really took his Romeo and Juliet from scratch. Um, apart from his Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake, we all take the architecture of, of the ballet and make your own production. But in here really is all of his steps. So it's a great virtue to be able to do your own version. And it takes a lot of bravery, and it takes a lot of uh, musicality and th uh, theatricality to understand how to convey so much emotion. I appreciate very much his dramatic scenes. They're very, very clear to me. Um, you know, there's a million choices of how you can say something. And um, he's very clear how he wanted to express it. You know, you might differ with, with your opinion on, oh, I would have done this, I would have done that. But um, essentially, I feel that throughout the performance, um, the character of Romeo and Juliet and that of Mercutio and Benvolio and, um, and Lady Capulet and Tybalt and all the main characters is very, very clear. And, um, he also infused the ballet with a lot of 
uh, technicality and physicality that really entertain. And um, he, uh, his set designer um, was a great, uh, uh, a very lucky strike for him because I think the production is very attractive. Um, and luckily, uh, the set designer got sick, and so Helgi had to, when he was ready to go into production, to um, receive the production and supervise how the sets were looking, how the, every single costume was looking. There's like 300 and something costumes. Um, and the designer never really got to see it live, you know, he it's passed. Jens Jakob Warsaw. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself um, has a great uh, historical importance uh, because, um, you know, when you choreograph, when you do your own production and you have your team, your designers and your dancers and your rehearsal directors, you need everybody because it's a, it's a lot of undertake. So in that, also, it's um, historically the contribution uh, of this Romeo and Juliet is, I think, is one of his best efforts as a choreographer. And um, he has managed to, um, to uh, bring it as a great vehicle for, uh, you know, our greatest bailarinas, you know, like Joanna Berman and Tino Blanc and, and so many of, of the past, you know. So, um, yeah. It's Today is Nikisha Fogo's uh, debut. She'll be playing the role of Juliet. Um, the music for Romeo and Juliet was written by Sergei Prokofiev in 1935. Could you talk about that score that's so emotional and it's, it's, it's um, meaningful? Could you talk about how those musical themes are repeated or uh, just talk about the score from the dancer's point of view? Well, you know, the desire to dance uh, for me and for many others, I speak for a lot of dancers, um, is not just the steps or it's not just the character. When you hear extraordinary music like that, and I'm sure for all of you um, to hear uh, more than extraordinary and precious musicality um, is, in is inspiring beyond any expectation. So, um, to be given that music, to do a balcony part of the, to, um, to hear that, mus that music that repeats through the potion scene and, and the family scene, um, you know, uh, the dramaturgy, you know, it just follows so uh, perfectly to have you know, Prokofiev have composed to such perfection, word for word and scene and the feeling, the atmosphere, you know, when you hear music and it has the, the right um, atmosphere, you don't have to th say, oh, I smile now because I have to smile. Um, the music inspires you and it brings you forward. And um, it is important to, to rehearse time and time again and what is the right tempo. And, and do you hear all the nuances, what there are hidden within the score? And do you hear bizarre things, like suddenly he's into this perfect lyrical music and then you hear this mandolin music and the intricacy of it and the humor and the, and the, and the, and the drama in the later on in, uh, you know, the, the wind instruments and the violins and the, 
gorgeous lyrical music. Like, people can't make music like this anymore. And um, he was composing this uh, at the same time that he was doing I mean, Summer's Night Dream, which is an incredible piece of music, especially that of the Scherzo. It's beyond me, you know, but um, how he could really offer us uh, music that no matter um, <clears throat> your level of understanding in music, that you can forget about the stress of not knowing something, but just hear and feel. Um, the fight scenes. There's a, there's a lot of sword play, and it has to look real. Can you tell us a little bit about the basic do's and don'ts of sword play? Well, first of all, I have to, I have to, um, to, to tell you, um, you know, Mar Mar Marty Pistone, he is uh, the man behind the genius of their sword fights, which I really think, and I like to compliment him officially, they're the best sword fights of all the different versions that I've danced of, of Romeo and Juliet. And even to this day, I'm not involved with the sword fighting because I'm involved with a lot of the dancing and the, and the, and the putting together the ballet. Um, but it's not something that, in some verses, I could tell, oh, they did eight of these, and then four of these, and then we Time to the music. You know, click, 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 click. Um, it is so intricate, and I was talking to Marty last night, and he said, you know, it has evolved, it has, it has taken form, we have made some alterations that were important. I think they're really, really, really wonderful fights. And you could tell that it's interesting material because um, men in dance, particularly, we, we grow bored very, very easily. You know, we're not as patient as the ladies. Um, and so you have this very long hours in the studio just sword fighting and trying to keep the guy's attention. Um, and the concentration level is amazing. And I could safely say that all the guys just really, really love and admire the work that he does. Marty and Dexter, who is his assistant, um, and in building these fights, everybody takes safety one, that's number one, and second, learn how to really fight. So you're not just acting, you're, you're literally fighting. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually quite amazing uh, what we do. Uh, you play the two roles in this ballet. You play uh, Friar Lawrence and Lord Capulet. Uh, first of all, what motivates Friar Lawrence to do what he does? He, he's quite involved. He's the bad guy in the, in the whole book. <laughs> I mean, in the actual Shakespeare story, you know, we don't, in the ballet, we've, we've you know, Helgi has chosen not to incorporate into the end. But he, his, his intentions were novel. He was trying to reunite the Capulets and the Montagues. Um, but he offers this potion to Juliet to wake up and you know, pretend she's dead. Uh, she sends, he sends this note um, to Romeo, not to despair, and that this will happen, and they go to her grave, and then she'll wake up and be reunited forever. But he was encountering that, you know, Romeo, in desperation to have her, that she has taken poison to kill herself, he goes out and fetches poison of some sort of sort and kills himself. And so when she wakes up, you know, he's not there and then um, finds no reason to leave. But in the actual story, and forgive me, I'm, I'm really, um, I try to read as much as I can, but I am not a Shakespearean authority. <laughs> but um, I when I play Friar uh, Lawrence, I try to remember that at the end, Friar Lawrence comes to uh, the crypt 
to uh, to um, to be with Juliet, and there he meets uh, Romeo, and Romeo can't take it, and he flees. He leaves. He leaves the um, the crypt. No. Uh, Romeo stays in the crypt, and then Friar Lawrence hears the noise after he explained what happened, and then he flees. Friar Lawrence leaves after, you know, because he just is not willing to let everybody know that he's responsible for their extraordinary misfortune. So. And Lord Capulet, what, uh, what kind of a man is he? I think Lord Capulet is just a good dad. <laughs> of very, very strong temper, and he's very determined. Um, he is, you know, a man of the 1500s uh, with, with a lot of weight, um, and uh, he means to, to keep his family as an Italian family, and, you know, uh, he's got a lot of pride. I like to play it as somebody who perhaps it is difficult for me to understand the level of such a young love um, when I have pl big plans to unite um, Capulets and to become um, powerful uh, with money and in in society. So um, I'm a bit thick on, on on understanding that and not willing to um, to honor Juliet's feelings and the, an entire family turns. Uh, we all turn uh, our back. Um, but but I like to play Lord Capulet uh, to really just uh, show power and be very, a very strong man, um, you know. But I'm I am short on virtue, virtues. <laughs> uh, well, we'll take questions in a second. But you know, the story of Romeo and Juliet is is timeless, and it reaches across generations. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that, and and how ballet is the most powerful medium to tell this story. And, and folks, just like in preparation for, for this interview, I, I uh, popped in a video to watch Romeo and Juliet, and I've seen it before. And during the, the DVD, I got chills. And at the end, I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so effective, no matter how many times you've seen it. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts about this, the power of ballet to tell this story and why it's so um, effective. I could tell you I traveled the world with this ballet. Um, after ABT, I was invited to go to uh, La Scala de Milan uh, to interpret Romeo and John Cranco's version. And to go to Italy, be invited to be Romeo, it was a great honor. And in there, um, then we went and danced in Verona itself and, um, and all over Italy. And, um, one thing I could tell you about Romeo and Juliet is that I think we all feel the same power of love. And that we all have the same aspiration that the flower will bloom and then wilt. And that love is, will escape you if you don't grab it. And I think that is the dream for, for um, any artist to experience such a level of, of euphoria, and the inspiration of, of lyrical music and lyrical ballet is so, uh, so incredible. I was also brought uh, to the Scottish Ballet to dance, uh, and my partner was Japanese, and we had great success in, in Scotland, and we were then invited to take the whole Scottish Ballet to Japan and, and dance uh, with her. 
And, you know, we're such different cultures, united by one theme, and that is Romeo and Julia, the most timeless story, and every story of romance is based on Romeo and Juliet, as far as I'm concerned. So it's, it's the common languages of love and music and dance, and it's a staple of classical repertoire. Um, it is important for us to, you know, some people might find it passé to, to be so terribly romantic and to see an old-fashioned ballet but it, it stops being old-fashioned when it's not full of mannerisms or where, where the technique is strained. Take, for instance, I adore Nuria's version, which I've never danced, um, but there are a lot of scenes, especially on the gabot in the, in the ballroom, where they are too highly stylized, and, but, but they, look, they look forced. Uh, I think Helgi has done a wonderful uh, ballroom, and Michael's Muin had a wonderful ballroom, and Michael's Muin had terrific um, potters, you know. So that was another version we used to have. Um, so it just seems that worldwide, this is a beloved story. It's it's a ballet that you know any school anywhere you go. When I was directing, I've actually um, I brought John Cranco's uh, version over to uh, Santiago de Chile. And, um, you know, it just always drew uh, the audiences like crazy. And uh, it's very important to have it in the rep. And it is very, very, very important that the dance as much as the music that is offered to uh, in the uh, repertoire of a company. Questions? Fuse, or is there more? Is Tibble a guy with just a really short fuse, or is there more? Um, Tybalt is basically my warrior, you know, I mean, you see it in streets, fights, there's, there's sore fighting and everybody competing against each other and, the, and he's the one person I tr trust the most. Um, in this version, there is an undertone of a love affair with my wife, Lady Capulet. So I, but I don't see that. I'm too power hungry and my, my interest is on in getting my Juliet married to this promise, very promising handsome gentleman named Paris. One last question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you've danced all over the world with dancers that have trained in their own style, like say the English trained or, or Russian trained. Do, do you know a difference when you came in as a guest artist, did you notice that difference? In their back. When you touch a ballerina and you you know, American, American dancers are wonderful in that way. You know, we're, we're not Russian the way we hold ourselves. Um, you know, we're not French with, with um, a, you know, very, a lot of epomon, a lot of heads. Uh, which, but it's all terrific. It's just different type of beauty. But I did enjoy my most favorite Juliet and the one that I had the most success with was Alessandra Ferry. Alexandra Ferry. Yeah. Folks, I'm sorry to say we're out of time. It's 1.30, and um, thank you. Please join me in thanking Ricardo Bustamante. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
to learn more about SF Ballet or to attend in-person Meet the Artist interviews and performances, visit sfballet.org. See you at the ballet.